Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and in the immortal words of Harley Quinn, what the fuck? <laughs> Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and I was happy in space, looking at the stars. This is a special emergency episode of Space the Nation because we love to be cranky about big dumb movies. Today we are going to be talking about James Gunn's Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad, right, to distinguish it from the other Suicide Squad, which I guess is the squad that shall not be named. Like they just, I feel like all the coverage of it just sort of ignored the fact that there was a previous Suicide Squad. (laughs) Sort of. I mean, there there are a couple characters that appeared in both, but it's not really talked about yet. Yeah, it's sort of ignored. So I'm going to do a quick story behind this story because it is sort of interesting. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, this is James Gunn's joint. He is best known for Guardians of the Galaxy, which Dan and I were talking about earlier. We both love both of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about, like, you know, Martin Scorsese has very famously said the Marvel, you know, the superhero movies are not really films. And that is clearly not true of either Guardians of the Galaxy films. Those are real films. Those are legit comedies. They are funny comedies and well acted and well paced. Well made. And, and good yeah. action as well. So, yes. people who listen to this podcast may remember that James Gunn was run out on a rail uh, from Twitter and Polite Society for some very dumb old tweets. So many more powerful people have suffered so much less for doing so much more. <laughs> I do and it should be pointed out that the alt right was yes. the ones who were the ones who sort of discovered those right. and, and tried to cancel James. And, and they partially succeeded. Disney yeah, fired yeah. him, and I mm-hmm. felt pretty bad for him. I feel less bad now. <laughs> <laughs> Because what happened... That'll give you, listeners, a sneak preview right. of how Anna feels about this what, film. Because what, what happened was that Warner Brothers was like, oh my God, James Gunn's available. Mm-hmm. And came in and was like, do whatever you want. And he clearly did whatever he wanted. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think maybe, you know, the proprietary thumb of Disney might have been helpful here. I just feel like some mm. of the excesses of this movie might not have been quite so excessive or there would have been some more discipline about everything <laughs> like yeah so i'm still not convinced my, my conspiracy theory is this was an this whole thing was a plot by disney to secretly send james gunn and taika waititi who appears as a, in a cameo in the film you know to the dc extended universe as covert ops to destroy the universe <laughs> um and, and frankly i will i will not be uh, dissuaded of that by the way and further evidence for this i, I don't know if you know on a gun was rehired by disney he is actually making Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So he's been uncanceled. I believe it. I mean, this is a very odd movie, in addition to being a bad movie, I would say. I will say, much more than the movie itself, I actually enjoyed uh, Peter Suderman, who writes movie reviews for Reason, offers a really interesting take on the sort of big bad in this film, which is a starfish that sends out little baby starfish to body snatch humans that basically arguing that that whole thing is symbolic of the woke mob that canceled James Gunn, <laughs> um, which isn't the worst. Inter- that's a pretty sophisticated interpretation. It, and frankly, it might... gives the movie more credit than I would otherwise give. That is what I was going to say. I'm not sure. I have a sense of what James Gunn thinks his politics are. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a not little, really important. It's yeah. a little all over the map in this movie. 
I think I think the key thing to realize about Gun is that Gun originated in like the trauma yep. uh, horror films and like you know Toxic Avengers type of stuff, which which are horror films that are usually funny as shit because yeah. they're so ridiculously and wildly over the top. And so in some ways, I think this is his effort to kind of revive that that ethos. I agree, and I want to talk about that more after I do the synopsis. I, I think he yes. was going for something real specific here, and yeah. he did not get no. it. And no, so in, in honor of the emergency podcast nature of this uh, this episode, Anna will be recounting the plot. And Dan, I want to invite you to jump in whenever, since I will be happy to. Yes. I don't have any cues for you, like you do those awesome cues <laughs> for me to like comment on things, and I didn't really do that because I was writing it from memory. Okay, here we go. Yeah, we begin with the introduction of the Suicide Squad, who are oddly not the people or the weasel we see in the trailer for the movie, except of course Harley Quinn. The Suicide Squad conceit is that hardcore villains are given a chance to perform black ops missions and reduce their sentences with the caveat that there is a bomb at the back of their skull that will blow them up if they misbehave. Got that right, Dan? Yes? Yes, that's correct. This is all run by Amanda Waller, who's played by Viola Davis, as pretty ruthless kind of person in both films. Yes. We're not going to do a capitalism section, I think, because this is an emergency <laughs> episode. But I'm just going to insert here that I think the whole like bomb at the back of your skull and having to behave and doing black ops thing, kind of a good metaphor for late capitalism and how we're entertained by mass culture. There. Said it. Adorno. Yeah. Boom. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm gonna figure out a way to do that in like in my classrooms. Adorno, boom, bitches. No, sorry. So there's a massacre on the beach of the Suicide Squad, who we have just met. Well, that's a first of a series of confusing leaps backwards and forwards in time. Squad mm-hmm. one was massacred. Squad two, a new squad, is the squad of the trailer: Ratcatcher two, Peacemaker, Bloodsport, Polka Dot Man, and Shark King. I didn't miss anybody, did I? I literally did this from memory. No, I think you're correct. It's King Shark, though. Uh, King Shark. Yeah, I did it from memory. All of them, except for the Peacemaker, are given somewhat sympathetic backstories. I came Mm -hmm. to feel this was not a coincidence that we didn't get much sympathy for Peacemaker. There's a turn. I don't know why I'm keeping it spoiler-free. Like, he he has a turn. Anyway, uh, the never-quite-fully-explained reason for the Suicide Squad's existence is some South American island nation... (laughs) <laughs> called Corto Maltese. Corto Maltese, to be fair, for those familiar with the DC universe, is a recurring okay. plot element in most of it. In The Dark Knight Returns, for example, Corto Maltese is where there's a fictional war between the U.S. and the Soviet right. Union. So I was just like, it pops up every once in a while. I was like, Easter Island? What? <laughs> it's the only South American island like I know. But So anyway, there's a, been a coup there in the U.S. once the alien technology that has been researched there. Before it Which has a weird to... Norwegian name? Jogenheim, I, I think is Jogenheim. what it's called. It was, yeah, Jogenheim. Jogenheim, which made no fucking sense to me whatsoever, but just let's keep going. Yeah, sure, Jogenheim. And, and they don't want okay. that tech to fall into the unfriendly hands of the coup people. All right. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff happens I'm not going to get into. <laughs> squad 2 finds the survivors of Squad 1, Colonel Flagg and Harley Quinn. There's a ton of gory battle scenes. There's a tiny bit of sex, but a lot more of gore. There is one extended gore scene in which you discover afterwards that all of the people were innocent (laughs) and were, in fact, allies. Yep. And I believe there is a literal shrug of shoulders by the Suicide Squad. They're kind of like, oops, 
They actually, you know what? Yeah. They don't even say oops. They lie. They're like, oh, we, mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't see anybody on our way in. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's sort of the movie in a nutshell in a way. Like, there's just lots of violence and nothing's explained. There's a lot more property damage and gore. Not just gore, but like, vis- like human viscera. Like, entrails and whatnot than you would ever see in any Marvel movie. And there's a lot of just, like, cruelty. Just, like, yeah. kind of random cruelty every once in a while. It, it, it's not even, like, plot points, really. It's just there on the screen there is a scene where the (laughs) again i I don't want to get too much into the plot because some of it is so stupid but when (laughs) one of the coup leaders is deposed and another coup leader can take control one of the things he does to like show how in control he is is set fire to the birds birds that the first coup guy first presidente was keeping and it's just it's just needlessly cruel why do that (laughs) I mean, I understand why a cruel person would do that, but it's like, it doesn't need to be there in the movie. That's kind of what I felt like. There's a lot of bird cruelty in particular in this movie. So let's put it this way. You talked before about how James Gunn is clearly, was was trying to create a certain kind of ethos, and I agree with that. And And to be fair... Big dumb violence can be done in a very funny way. I, I think it's safe to say that neither you nor I are necessarily opposed to big dumb violence, no. even big dumb gory violence. But I think I had the same reaction that you did to a lot of this film, which was some of it was funny. Like there's a there's a beautiful shot of King Shark taking a man and splitting him into two I agree. and eating him. I agree. That was glorious. I loved that. That was. I great. actually King but, Shark was one of my favorite characters. I will King say. Shark was pretty good. Yeah. But like I feel like whether or not you enjoy this movie can be summed up by what happens to Polka Dot Man <laughs> at the at the end, which is there is this brief moment where Polka Dot Man, who's actually I found it an interesting character, you know, who finally sort of has his great moment and says, "I'm a real superhero." Like you know, the moment he said that, I'm like, oh. Oh, no, I know what's about to happen. And sure enough, the thing happened. And whether you find that funny or not will be the predictor of whether or not you like this film. That's the way I would And just to drill down a second on the bird thing, because I want to make a point about it, it's that (laughs) if you can sustain a certain level of cartoon violence and make it super cartoony, there are ways in which blowing up the birds, especially if it had been done kind of in a clearly fake way, like if feathers had like sprinkled around afterwards. Yeah could be kind of funny, but it's done pretty realistically. (laughs) I think that's what, no, you know, there has to be a consistency between the action and the tone. And I think one of the problems with the way this film was done is that a lot of the action, there is a shit ton of blood. And I don't mean blood just sort of lying anywhere, like actual like blood pouring from people. It's, It's a very like gory sort of way of doing it. And that is appropriate if, if for making one kind of movie. I didn't think it was appropriate for making this kind of movie. As you say, the violence should have been so- somewhat more cartoonish, and so I'm not entirely sure it was consistent with what James Gunn was trying to do. I felt like I'm doing stuff that I can't get away with in Marvel, kind of. like Because Marvel <laughs> is such like... Is yeah, such you a would pristine, never have seen that much blood. you know, canvas yeah. as far as its violence goes. Like it's all very mm-hmm. contained. You don't see a lot of actual injury. Just like people kind of disappear off the screen to die. Right. And definitely, DC's letting him, <laughs> letting him do something different. Oh yeah. So I want to get to the plot crescendo because it's really interesting in a way. There is a revelation. Is it, Anna? Yeah. Is it really? <laughs> But fair enough, keep going. I did raise my eyebrow to this. Okay, yeah. There is a revelation. Dun, 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 dun. dun, dun. dun. 
the U.S. government was behind the alien tech experiments all along, Dan. Oh, all my God, along. Anna. No. <laughs> no way. Whoa. Not only were they propping up this regime that was friendly to Americans, but they were using a black site yeah. <laughs> to conduct experiments. And what do you know? Colonel Flagg is disgusted. He's just appalled. He didn't sign up to join this <laughs> the army to do this, guys. I can't even get through the sentence. God, <laughs> like, <laughs> I did sign up for this, Anna. Just sign I'm up. I'm gonna for tell this. you a secret. He knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it seems odd that someone who is the leader of a black ops <laughs> operation in which the members are threatened with death in order to perform mm-hmm. their duty would not have some suspicions about what his government is up to otherwise. I mean, also, that stuff gets covered in the papers. Like, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> like, to be surprised... There was WikiLeaks. There was some other shit going down. Like, you know, it, it, even in U.S. history books, I think it's been covered at this point. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And, yeah. and then the other part of this that's funny, maybe not to everyone, but to me, is that what he decides to do is to get the disc. <laughs> Which contains the entire history of the project. It's, again, it could have been actually funny. Like, it could have been almost intentionally funny. Like, um, mm-hmm. the scene in Zoolander when Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller are, like, trying to... The guy says, the files are in the computer. And they kind of, they start <laughs> knocking at the computer to try and get yes. the files out. He, he digs out the disk, which I will observe... Even Stormfront has cloud service now. Like, you could get, you know, cloud backup for this. I'm just saying. (laughs) And he's killed, which is sad. And then there's, like, a part two of the movie (laughs) where, you know, our heroes... We should add that... that, Oh, okay, he's killed. Go ahead. Yeah. We don't need to reveal too much from the plot. No. Uh, He is killed. Mm-hmm. And then they have a part two of the movie, uh, Suicide Squad versus the <laughs> Starro, Star- Starro the, the Conqueror. Starro the, Starro the Conqueror. The Conqueror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a name that was given to the alien as a joke, apparently. Not much of a joke. Big destroyer. Mm-hmm. Big destroyer, this starfish. It's a giant starfish with mind control powers. They kill the starfish using rats, which we will not discuss further. <laughs> because it is really really gross yes (laughs) and then bloodsport blackmails the evil prison warden waller to get them to have their freedom and i presume there will be sequels so dan uh we i just want to just mention it again the fact that flag was so surprised that the u.s government would involve be involved in something this dirty and it, it i can't i have to express again it is played by my boyfriend joel kenneman it's like he's really startled by this. And yeah. I thought that maybe this is a feint. Maybe this is he's going to pretend to be outraged so he can get possession of the disc and, you know, and take it back to Waller, yeah. right? Right. That, I mean, I kind of would have bought that. I'm going to fight to the death in order to release this. Also, he, uses, he, he says something that, as a journalist, I always find kind of amusing in movies when people are like, we're going to release this to the press. <laughs> or to the media uh, yeah. all right you know or you can just picture, give it to wikileaks i mean like <laughs> whatever whatever they do that i always picture like some i hate to say it like some guy wearing glasses the same thing same kind of glasses i wear with like a fedora that says the press yeah. like on a little card the media yeah. i'm gonna give yes. it to the press and again yeah. it's sort of like it's weird antiquity antiquated 
Antiquated. 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 Thank you, Dan. I'm a professional historian. <laughs> you know, way to think about media, of course, too. Like, it, it, there's so many interests. There's actually a pretty good joke about techno- about old technology in the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. You'd think that someone who's trying to be aware of that would do more with the whole the disc and the media conceit. Yeah. You know. So what do you what do you think? What do you think, Dan? So. It's kind of an on the one hand, on the other hand here, Anna. I mean, on the one hand, yeah, that part of the plot does not make a ton of sense. But on the other hand, Anna, none of the plot <laughs> makes any sense. Okay? You have Let a point. me just give you, you a, a few examples of parts of the plot that made no sense to me. So first of all, as you pointed out, this is what sets Flag over the edge? In the first Suicide Squad movie, Flag saw... Amanda Waller cap her entire staff, like, in a cold-blooded fashion. These people were all innocents and hold his girlfriend hostage. Why would this be the thing that sends him over the edge? That, he, that makes no sense. He is running sense. a yes. black ops crew. Like, that's right, the part exactly. of it. Like, it is None of that works. Job to do but, sneaky but, shit. And, and speaking of which, while we're on the subject of Waller's staff... There is a moment where Waller's sort of second in command says, I'm so good at my job when he manages to find Flag. When all of the evidence demonstrates that they're all fucking horrible at their jobs. Okay? Among other things, they did not know that Weasel could not swim. They did not know that Bloodsport had a fear of rats. They did not know that Flag was being held by rebels that probably should not be killed. They were all fucking horrible. They were bad at their jobs. And like, so like, him saying he was good at his job, I just, I, I literally yelled, no, no, you're not. In fact, That's I thought that was a joke. Yes, <laughs> like, Because exactly. not only is there, there all this evidence that they're not good at their jobs, the right. thing he when he says, I'm so good at my job, is like right. literally like a map quest thing. Yeah, it's not even something that he does. Like, it, oh, it's just like, finally found yeah. on the screen. Like, did he like do anything to do that except yeah. like refresh he, the screen? He dropped a pin so. on his iPhone, you know, yeah, like that's it. it's it. But there are other things that made notes, like two other things. Like why, at one point, the Hunter leader, you know, there, there's this little subplot. <laughs> I where skipped the this leader, whole thing because it's just out of nowhere. <laughs> the Hunter leader and Harley Quinn hook up, at which point Harley Quinn then finally kills the Hunter leader because she realizes he's a really, really bad man. And she knows she has boyfriend issues. So good on her for having that level of self-awareness. But why did the Hunter leader think of Harley Quinn as some great anti-American symbol? I have no idea where that came from. That, that literally, that's just out of nowhere. And finally, if Starro the Destroyer or Starro the Conqueror or whatever the fuck the starfish's name is, you know, we see in like backs at one point we see a video of starfish infecting the other members of the space shuttle crew that had collected Starro. How exactly did that space shuttle land and how did Starro get captured? These are minor things that I wanted to know. So I, I, I cannot stress enough how little the plot made sense anyway. And so the idea that Flag was going to be horrified by this, eh, you know, it's just whatever. In my notes, I actually wrote down at one point that I have like a weird, perverse admiration for how little attention they paid to the plot. Like <laughs> it, it's it's ballsy. It's a ballsy move yes. to just. It's like you know what we're going to do? We're going to fuck with the podcasters today. Yeah, okay, and it's like they wrote down do. all the plot points on cards and then threw the cards up into the air <laughs> and then only used some of them. I like that. Okay. <laughs> that would explain That's the jump good. cuts too. <laughs> like that maybe. Yeah, that would that would do it. We're gonna write we're gonna storyboard the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Then we're gonna rip up the storyboard and then we're gonna randomly take out thirteen of the of 
<laughs> maybe <laughs> that's what the, like, and then know, we're gonna like, throw it up into the air and just like let it and do it whatever you know what it is like there's a story about uh larry bird when he was in the nba with like at the peak of his his basketball prowess where he decided one game he was just bored and he decided that game rather than shoot right-handed he was going to shoot left-handed the entire game to make basketball interesting there's a part of me that wonders if that's what james gunn did with this movie he's like okay make it harder for me like take out half the plot and then i'll i'll make the movie or something because like I, I have no other explanation for this yeah dan I was thinking, I, there is IR in this movie. I mean, right? Yes, Anna, but, but let me ask a slightly different question. Why is there IR in this film? Okay, why? It's like asking why a beach would be littered with penises. I mean, who knows why mad men do what they do, Anna? I mean, let's let's be real about this. Um, yes, to the extent that there is IR in this film, it is mostly about how the United States, and by the way, the U.S. is not the only great power that does this, but why the United States outsources distasteful policies to overseas jurisdictions along with overseas client states. I mean, the, the, the example that probably most of our listeners are, are most intimately familiar with would be uh, Guantanamo Bay, which was a sort of U.S.-held uh, base in Cuba, which was used to stow all of the terrorists that were, uh, or alleged terrorists that were captured in Afghanistan and elsewhere, some of whom are innocent, in fact, and some of whom are going to die there without you know, much in the mm-hmm. way of having their cases settled. Similarly, there have been sort of black sites elsewhere in which there were enhanced interrogation, which is a fancy way of saying torture of various prisoners from both Iraq and uh, the war on terror. Also, many of them innocent. Yes, there is the Reagan Doctrine, which was a doctrine <laughs> that was established during the, Sorry, the latest just, stages of the Cold I War. remember that. I, yeah, yeah, in which the, the, the premise was, <laughs> let us fund really, really nasty, you know, rebel groups that don't really give a shit about human rights to fight you know, communist uh, states in places like Afghanistan or Nicaragua or Angola or Cambodia. And on a, I'm bored now. You know, I mean, it's it's not that this is the one IR element of the film. It's not a terribly <laughs> insightful one. It's not a terribly shocking one. I was like when, you know, as you say, the dun 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 part of the plot, I was like, yeah, really, really no surprise there whatsoever. So look at this way. Yes, there was a little bit of IR in it, but it was really boring goddamn and, IR. And it does feel a little bit like the film is kind of proud of itself for this like indictment of American overseas adventurism. But like, we know, <laughs> like we know, <laughs> we really do know now. Yeah. It's funny mentioning the Reagan doctrine. How, how'd that turn out? The whole Reagan doctrine. Uh, I, to be fair, it wasn't the worst Cold War idea, but you could also argue it did lead to, you know, Osama bin Laden to some extent in Afghanistan. I'm just saying. Um, I'm just saying. We have our own Starro we the Conqueror to worry about, I think, in the real world. We were, there was a brief period where we were temporarily allied with the Khmer Rouge rebels in Cambodia, which in some ways is, is way worse. But yeah, so not not the best. What I'm trying to say is the Starro the Conqueror metaphor does yeah. kind of work. But... Okay. I do not mean to the reward the movie in any way. I yeah, just feel like yeah. James Gunn has seen a lot of Oliver Stone films. That's my theory. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, okay yes. so now we come to a section called Why? <laughs> Which are the things about the movie that made us shout, Why? <laughs> I have a few. Go ahead, Anna. The whole bait and switch opener, Why? Why do that? There are people in it that are listed as major cast members. <laughs> And they on screen for like five seconds, like Pete Davidson, who I think is sometimes kind of funny, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And nope, just gone. There's also a bonding at a bar scene, which when they started the scene, 
not only did I know where it was going to go, but I was like, this is going to be a particularly bad version of this, I bet. Because <laughs> this is a trope, right? In lots of movies, like the team that's not getting along well together goes to a bar and under the influence finds they have things in common and everybody it has literally a good happens time. in the first Suicide Squad film. Great. <laughs> you always know, it's going to be a bad version of that when it's a pretty silent montage with just yeah. music playing over it and there's no actual right. like confessions are given to each other or whatever. Just you're, they can't bother to actually work through the dialogue to make it watchable. They are yes. they are doing like we do in real life, which is just depending on the alcohol to create social bonds. <laughs> Right. I don't quite get the introduction of sympathetic backstories for for all of them, again, except Mm -hmm. for Peacemaker. I mean, I guess. But if you're going to go gonzo, like, just make them mean, you know, make them or with like a sliver of a heart of gold or whatever. Every single one of these so-called villains turns out to have like a heart of gold. Right. And there's this one particularly treacly interlude where Ratcatcher 2 who I did kind of sticking with Ratcatcher 2 as her name did amuse me. That was me. I, I did like that. Did yes, amuse I me. Agree. Where yes, she yes. and Bloodsport are like he had a bad daddy. She had a good daddy and she tells him I wish you had a daddy like mine. Not in, mm-hmm. in so many words and it, whatever. There is also a moment where they I think they use the words we don't leave anyone behind. <laughs> This is a team that is literally called the Suicide Squad, Dan. It is literally referred to, the movie is called Suicide Squad. Why, Anna? That's like, you know, that's that's my response to that, yes. There is an obtrusive amount of diegetic music, which if people don't know what that is, that's when the music playing in the soundtrack is playing in the scene. I totally knew that. It's a cool little film term. That is a good um, term. I'm yeah. glad to know that. Uh, Gunn does it like at least three times where the soundtrack comes on. And it's. I will say, actually, I'll say this now. I was going to save this for the parts you liked. The parts I liked. But the soundtrack is really, really good. Some, Which is unsurprising for a James Gunn. Right. It's like some deep cuts of indie yeah. rock. And like, yeah. I, I really liked it. I also too, liked yeah. that in the subtitles when I watched it on HBO Max, it would be mm-hmm. like, indie rock continues playing. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Like I'm old enough that when I used to tell people that indie rock was my favorite kind of music, they'd be like, "Like from Indiana?" God, <laughs> it's grown up now. It's its own genre. But yeah, there's several times where you, you'll hear the music on the soundtrack, and then it'll kind of turn into a little tinier version of it, and you'll see it coming out of a radio or something. Thinker, the villain, doesn't <laughs> doesn't get much at all. Really, he has spark plugs in his head. I don't know why. It's never explained. Never explained. He doesn't seem what, particularly what, smart either, Dan. That's the thing. No, I, I agree with that. But also, Otto, I did love how there was a, there's like a really like a brief flashback scene of him. And what I loved is that in the brief flashback scene, he has fewer spark yes. plugs in his Yes, head. yes. <laughs> I also appreciated that. Yes. I also just point out that much as with Osama bin Laden, once you unleash your Starro the Conqueror, you still want to, you know, contain it. Like, you, you don't want it to come and attack you. Like, you may have created it and want to keep it right. a secret. But orders from Waller are, yeah, just get out of there. Star of the Conqueror is destroying this island. I would think you would want to do something about it, even if you didn't care about the islanders. Last thing, mm-hmm. and this is just one of those things that it's annoying me more now that I think about it. 
Mm-hmm. There is a weird little bonding scene between Harley Quinn and a character that we know nothing about called Javelin. Who dies. Who dies Sorry, and gives her his javelin. Yeah. And he dies mm-hmm. in the middle of saying, use the javelin for, right? <laughs> and she ha- she's like, what am I supposed to use it for? Whatever. Like, she finds it. She turns out, it turns out she's pretty good with it. Mm-hmm. We never really find out. <laughs> she does say, now I know what to use it for, and she kills Starro. But, like, it's just, it's just bad, bad plot. This is how bad this film is, Anna. I wasn't entirely sure if that was the same javelin. Yeah, that's, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it was. I think you're right. That would be the only thing that would actually make sense. But when I saw the javelin, I was like, is that the same one from before? I have no idea. Like that, you know, it was it, it, it was like, that it, sort of level of laziness. If you're going to set it up in some way, like you have yeah. to do something with it. Not just like, oh, Fire I'm going to kill the bad gun. guy. Yeah, right. like it's as though Chekhov's gun was pulled off the wall and the person's like, oh, it's a gun. Yes. <laughs> basically oh i get it it's a gun i can kill someone that you know like yeah like if the reveal is the javelin is useful for killing people well no fucking shit i'm sorry but you know all right dan do you have some why i do have whys so i want to know you know first of all why is or how is bloodsport who is played by idris ilba in any way different from Deadshot, who was played by Will Smith <laughs> in the first Suicide Squad movie. And I mean this seriously. There is a small part of me that actually would love to conduct a natural experiment because I think, weirdly, Idris Elba would have been better playing Deadshot and Will Smith would have been better playing Bloodsport because this movie is clearly intended to be more funny and Will Smith is a just a better comedic actor. Idris Elba yeah. is a better dramatic actor. I, I, and I, I mean, no disrespect and towards either of them. Sexy. But literally... Bloodsport's backstory is almost identical to Deadshot's. He is a trained assassin for hire who has a daughter who gets into trouble. And that's about it. Like, you know, in that sense, like, I'm sure I know they are different characters, but like, it just seemed weird that like they totally just pretended like Deadshot didn't exist. Yeah. Furthermore, why is Bloodsport and his daughter screaming fuck you to each other funny? And I mean this seriously, like, like. I'm watching the scene, and it, it's, you know, it's basically the daughter saying she got caught stealing. Bloodsport is angry that she didn't have a lookout, which is mildly amusing. But then they just start screaming, fuck you, at each other. And I was watching this thinking, is this supposed to be funny? I think it's supposed to be funny, but, like, I just, I found it completely unamusing. It's not, I didn't, I wasn't angry. I just was, like, unmoved. So, Dan, I am a, I'm something of a student of comedy. Oh, good. And okay. there is a principle in comedy known as repeat until funny. Right. And it can work. Yes. Um, a very I, famous is, example yeah. is Steve Martin when he came out on stage in SNL and just screams. Do you remember that opening? He just he no, just no. he just is like he just starts going woo and he can't stop saying woo <laughs> and it almost seems like he has a he's trying to stop saying woo but yeah. he only can say it's funny and, you know at first you're like what's going on and then he keeps doing it and it's funny. This isn't that. <laughs> like they that they must have been going for it, but it's almost that Idris Elba is too good an actor. Like. <laughs> You know? Yeah, that like, might have been it. That, that, no, that's actually like, not, as I said. This is where again Will Smith he and, imbues and the ca- he imbues the moment with like some real pathos, and so right. you're like, but your daughter, and and indeed, yeah. this is one of the wild tonal shifts in the movie that really right. ma- makes it feel off balance in general. You know, yes. which is that you're supposed to take this relationship seriously. So and, a few other things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. That, no, that's okay. We don't that's want to spend things. too much time on this movie. 
Right. Yeah. So, like you with with Pete Davidson, why wasn't there more Nathan Fillion in this movie? Yeah. Um, like, I actually did one of the few things I did like was Nathan Fillion's character. I think was called TDK. His superpowers literally is his limbs are separable from his body, but they don't have any necessarily any special yeah, powers that beyond funny. that. Yeah. They just go and slap the shit out of some soldiers. It was just it was honestly amusing. But I would have liked to have seen more of him. Why is the rebel leader cool with her entire band of rebels being routed by the Suicide Squad? Like. That made no sense. This was a total waste of Sonia Braga as an actress. I would have liked to have seen a, a little more of her. It is um, a really odd moment. I, and I also, it, I'm sorry, can I can I jump in, Dan? No, please do. That reminds me of something else I was going to mention earlier, which is that the suicide affects or attempts to affect two rescues, mm-hmm. and neither of them are really rescues, that, and neither of them really work. There's yeah. the rescue of Colonel Flagg, which turns out, when they find him, he is sipping tea and playing cards and doesn't have a shirt on. <laughs> I, you know, trade places anytime. I have noticed that you noticed, but keep going. Anytime. Yeah. And then, of course, they go to rescue Harley Quinn and she rescues herself. It's, I'm sure, unintentional, but it's like there is very little redeeming quality to the Suicide Squad. Like, I, it's almost as if they should have perhaps relied on the Justice League to do some of this yeah. shit as opposed to the Suicide Squad. I mean, I'm just going, I'm just grasping at straws here, but maybe actual yeah, but superheroes. You can't even like give them redeeming. Like It's like they're trying to make them somewhat, like they're trying to do the right thing. But yeah. they, anyway, I, it's just dumb. It's dumb. So two other whys for me. This is why, why was Peacemaker in prison in the first place? Like, you know, I, he was part of the Suicide Squad, but like I kept wondering, there, you said there was no sympathetic backstory. There was zero backstory yes. to him. And like, I kind of wondered what the fuck was he doing in prison in the first place? So I didn't know about that. But I think the, the bigger macro point is that why is meta dumb dialogue any better than dumb dialogue? So I, th- this movie can be summed up by an exchange at one point where Amanda Waller sort of explains to Bloodsport, okay, you're the leader of this squad. I've assembled this squad, you know, because each person has a unique set of skills that are difficult to replicate. Here is Peacemaker. And then... She lists Peacemaker skills, which are a direct overlap to Bloodsport. And then Bloodsport points this out. It's like, hello, why did you do that? And what I kept thinking was, Bloodsport is right. And it demonstrates that the screenwriters are aware that this is sort of a dumb trope. But like, just pointing out that it's a dumb trope doesn't make it any funnier. I, it was the kind of thing where I guess they assumed by going meta, I would somehow be amused by it. And I was actually just more irritated. Yeah, I want to put a nail in this point when we do our closing but mm-hmm. going for clever and missing it yeah is really embarrassing <laughs> yes all right next segment okay, okay hold a gun to my head which means <laughs> are there some explosive in my my brain exactly yeah maybe yeah. that's what we'll call it moving on what did you actually kind of like and i will go first good both of my boyfriends are in the movie <laughs> Idris I and worry, Joel. I hope, that, I, hope, I hope they didn't talk about you. So, yeah, I like, hope not too. And I hope that's their wives are unaware also of the <laughs> of the situation. I, as I mentioned before, the very obtrusive soundtrack is quite good. I have not heard the Decemberists in a long time. It was kind of cool to mm. hear them. I assume this was done intentionally. There are female fighters in every almost every scene. Yeah. Both on the good and bad sides everywhere. They're just they're also in command. There's you know, female military commanders. Right. And I I think this is a probably conscious and well-intentioned thing, and I hope to see more of it. 
There we go. Also, what was nice to see was that they weren't fighting just the other females. Yes, that's true. That's, that often happens where you introduce, yeah, it's like, well, let's introduce women characters, but then they fight each other, and like that seems sort of stupid. And also, you don't always, you sometimes see female soldiers, but you don't see them in positions of command. Right. Like high yeah. command. Like there's, this is pretty, anyway, like, it was cool. In a very bad movie, I did take some time to be like, eh, all right. I also will point out that Starro the Destroyer, or Starro the Conqueror, has a pretty good origin story, and it's better than any of the other ones that we hear. Like, <laughs> in that, I will, and this is almost embarrassing, so when it is revealed, like, the experiments that have been done on Starro, mm-hmm. it's pretty fucking cruel and gross. Yes. And I did have a moment of, like, huh. Mm-hmm. I felt bad for Starro. There I did. Go. I had a moment of sympathy for Starro. There are a few good lines. You said one of them, which again, there are so few of them <laughs> and so fleeting. Now I've forgotten what the one that you, that you mentioned was. Who knows why Mad Men in Power? Oh, uh, yes. Do the, do or, the, yeah, dicks, yeah. the penises. The dicks on the, on the beach. Yes, the dicks yes. on the beach. I also appreciated when Ratcatcher tells the thinker, Do you want a, a thousand you know, hungry rodents up your ass? And he says, My answer might not be what you expect. <laughs> Which that was good. A little gross, but funny. <laughs> I, I speaking of the dialogue, and we'll get to the things I like. I, there was a brief moment. And it was it was the only like running gag that I thought was funny was where Harley at one point actually thought that Bloodsport's name was Milton at the end. That, that yes. was mildly amusing, I suppose. Yes. Oh, the other I thing- guess actually on speaking on Milton, I appreciated yeah. that Milton was actually their driver, right? And. It, it, this doesn't usually happen in superhero movies, which is one of the lackeys, like, kind of just continues on with the group. Like, doesn't right. just do his job and then leave. And so we do get scenes of Milton, like, going with them to do the to do the job. I'm going to ask kinda, why I, Milton I, with... Oh, I, I mean, I might. If I, okay. I had a bunch of superheroes and they were doing a cool thing and I thought it was, like, worth doing. Yeah, but Anna, you're not a superhero. You could easily yeah. die. So, like, this sure. is Sure. Just... I would think okay. they would... I don't know. I, I mean... One thing, I guess, kudos to Milton, right? I mean, like, knowing he would be risking his life. That was, yeah, that was good. I thought maybe when I did see that happen, I thought maybe they'd give Milton, like, a little thing to do, you know? Like, oh, thank God <laughs> yep. Milton was with us. Nope, he just dies. So, yep. All right. All right, so the things that I liked. There is a very brief moment when Flag and Harley are reunited in which Harley hugs Flag and Flag sort of hugs Harley and like takes his gun and sort of caresses her back for a second. It's a very minor <laughs> physical piece of physical comedy, but Joel Kinnaman crushed it. And I, I actually did really laugh at that. Again, another sort of physical piece of physical comedy. There is a moment where you see John Cena, who plays Peacemaker, in Tidy Whities. It is as funny as it sounds and very amusing. Mm-hmm. I liked King Shark. King Shark is a, this is I, I, the sort of Groot of this film. Yeah. And it's voiced by Sylvester Stallone. And the... Yes, and the whole, you know, the whole thing is very funny. Like, the, you you first see King Shark, he's reading a book, but upside down. And he keeps saying, I smart. You know, it's just, it, the, the intonations are, are quite good. And, and he's a sweet character, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I did like that version of him. And also, I actually kind of like Polka Dot Man. Polka Dot Man is the other sort of element of the uh, member of the suicide squad where he for some reason is like exposed to an interdimensional virus in which he like just puffs up with actual polka dots like causing his face to swell and he has to expel them every once in a while but also from polka dots worldview everyone looks like his mother which does sound like the most horrific virus imaginable no disrespect to any mother but come on like you don't want your child to actually have to go through life only seeing you everywhere you look that was about it pretty freudian yeah Um, Which which does lead us to the very important question, Anna. Should you watch this film? 
I'm going to say probably not. I checked how much time there was left at least twice. So that's a bad sign. (laughs) And I actually think Tomorrow War was more fun. Wow, that is damning with faint praise. Good well, okay, in yeah. the, in Tomorrow War had much more modest goals, right? Mm-hmm. Tomorrow War was just trying to be like a bit, it was in some ways trying to be dumb. Like it, it was going for just action movie, summer action movie, right? Yeah. Explosions, aliens, uh, some <laughs> one-liners, whatever. And it, it, it was not a good version of a big dumb action movie as we have discussed in a previous emergency episode. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, watching it was not a chore for me. I felt like, like it was no. kind of like, oh, you know, all right. Like there's yeah. some explosions every once in a while. There's some bad dialogue every once in a while. But whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. James Gunn was aiming really high here. He was trying to pull off a really difficult trick, mm-hmm. like one of those gymnastics tricks that you shouldn't perform in competition because they're too dangerous. Like one mm-hmm. of those, like a Simone Biles level trick. He's, but he got the whatever. What is the thing that you? He got you, the twisties. Uh, the twisties. Yes, you're saying James Gunn got. The I, I just don't think he has. The, I just don't think he's. Strong, I don't think he's as strong as Simone Biles. I think he's like some Ooh. some kid trying to do what Simone Biles does. Luckily, he did not break his neck. He just fell on his face. <laughs> but he, comedy is harder. Is the hardest thing of any, you know, dramatic, you know, genre, right? Mm-hmm. I think we can agree. Yeah. And then also the particular kind of comedy he was going for, which is kind of meta and ironic and gonzo, that's especially, like the bullseye on that target is tiny. Yeah. And he missed it by kind of a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I would agree. And I I just, my, my feeling is I bet Chris Pratt is happy he was in Tomorrow War and not this. I tend to agree. So the, the, my take would be a simple one, which is I would advise people listening to this who haven't watched it yet, watch the first 20 minutes. And if you don't like it, just turn it off. I think it improves slightly after that, but not by much. And it sort of does give you a sense of what Gunn is trying to do. But if I'm being honest, before I recommend that you watch The Suicide Squad, I would much more strongly endorse and highly recommend that you watch on HBO Max the animated television show Harley Quinn. Because Kaylee Cuoco, who voices Harley Quinn, and Lake Bell, who voices Poison Ivy, are great in it. It's a stellar vocal cast, and it's a stellar take on the character. Much better, I think, than than what we see in any of the actual Suicide Squad films. And it's also a much more fun take on King Shark. And there is also a... Bane appears in the animated version of, of Harley Quinn. And the voice actor who does Bane is such a wonderfully delicious mockery of Tom Hardy's Bane that I cannot begin to describe it. It can only be experienced. And so that is a much more enjoyable and much higher like laugh per minute entertainment than, than this film. I feel like we need to come up with a scale for should you watch it? You know, like mm. what? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I guess if, think. Yeah, this is an if, interesting if you're question. listening to this and you were intrigued by anything we said, well, then obviously go for it. Right. But yeah, we're going to have to come up with something because it, very rarely, I think, would I say definitely no to something. Like I'm mm-hmm. such a, I love movies, you know, yeah. like, and I love the genre that we talk about. And so I'm you know willing what? to watch a no, lot no, no. of shit. I think like, I, I I'm, have a I'm suggestion. curious about a lot of shit. Anna, and, he, I, I don't, I don't think we need a scale of like from one to 10 or anything. I think what we need to say is what are the conditions under which oh, it would good. be fine to watch this movie? And the conditions under which I think it would be fine to watch this movie are, it is two in the morning, you have insomnia, and 
you just want your brain not to work all that hard. Mm. Can you watch this film? Yeah, you can. You, and you might even chuckle a little bit. Yeah, that's a good one. I was going to go with folding laundry. Ah, that's good too. Yeah. yeah, although maybe something slightly more intensive, like brain intensive, so that you're not, mm. you don't have to pay full attention. Mm. Not folding laundry. I don't know, paying bills. There yeah, you there you go. Like you want to have something on in the background that like you, so you don't have to think about the task that you're doing too hard, mm-hmm. but you have to think about the task you're doing a little. I like yours too, though. Although, thank you. I, I would say in that situation, I would go with Alien. <laughs> Alien is too good a film to watch. But then, it's though. but it's like My, I've seen it so many times. I'm not worried about I missing know. something. For you, yes, but like we have to That's we true. have to All think right. to a more generic audience. Okay. And so like my point is is you might actually fall asleep. And so that would not be the worst thing for an insomniac. Thank you go. All right. So, Dan, are we done? Like the limp after credit scene in this film, this podcast will end with a whimper and not a bang on it. I guess <sighs> whatever, keep this channel open for more. <laughs>